travel with Running Warehouse co-founder Joe Rubio and YouTube running shoe sensation Connor Blaylock into a new dimension of running. Come along as we chat running gear, training, coaches, and much more. A podcast journey into the wonderful world of all things running related. Your next epic running adventure awaits at Mr. Rubio Used to Run. Welcome to our little program, episode eight of Mr. Rubio Used to Run. I'm Joe Rubio, and this is my wingman, Connor Blaylock. And uh, today's podcast will have a definite Austin, Texas feel to it. And we have a special guest. You know, special guests just keep coming each week. We're always lifting it up yes. a level. And, uh, you know, we're trying to show some highlighting faces in the building. And this next one is a big one. Yes. Digital marketing manager. And we, we have some history because... We went to Cal Poly together, roommates, Hoka Aggie teammates. He was a little faster than me. He's got PRs of 1356, 2908, 6433. Did I get it right? Yeah, that's it. We got Sean Davidson in the building. <laughs> How are you doing, that Sean? Was, that was a very generous <laughs> intro. I appreciate it, Connor. I'm happy to be with you guys. Just talking about whatever. Austin, Texas, yes, I guess. Austin, yeah. Texas, and the running event. But yeah. first... Uh, we're going to start the conversation with the burning question we're addressing today. What should you spend your hard-earned dollars on and not skimp? Any ideas? It's a tough one because yeah. there is so much stuff out there and it, you know, prices just keep going up a little higher. So exactly. you're always pinching pennies. But uh, I mean, I think for me, the the running shorts are yeah. probably the most important. I, I, you know, you need a good pair of shoes, of course, but... I feel like a lot of people cheap out on the running shorts, and I, uh, I don't wear a shirt most of the time, so you don't want any. You're giving uh, the ladies a treat, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, something like that. But I mean, you know, some people they wear their shorts for 10, 15, 20 years, and I, I'm looking. I think over, we have an yeah. example here, right here. I have a feeling why I know I'm on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, this I, is I, an intervention, I, Sean. I have notoriously been known as the guy that keeps his shorts around for way too long. Uh, I still have my varsity-issued race shorts from high school, probably sitting in my drawer somewhere, but my wife has been very good about helping me update my wardrobe, and I don't wear those anymore, I swear. I'm, I'm, I'm on a better path now. <laughs> yeah. In my opinion, what you don't cheap out on is anything that touches your skin, like socks, shorts, uh, shirts, um, bras, whatever it is. Uh, it just, it makes a world of difference. Like underwear, like if you have uncomfortable underwear, I don't care what's going on in your life. You're not, you're not happy at all. I mean, one 20 mile run in a little bit of a, and you get that that, that yeah. burning, I, that's, mm. that's game over. It's game over. <laughs> I just use a lot of body glide myself. <laughs> that can help. That can help. So back, I forgot how long ago, this was a Brooks 50th anniversary party. And uh, we stayed in this fancy hotel. And of course, I forgot running shorts. Mm -hmm. And we're not anywhere near the Brooks building. And so I sent my wife out to get me some shorts. And I said, it can't be branded. Because you can't go to a Brooks run and wear Nike shorts or something like that. That's just in poor taste. Mm -hmm. So she comes back with a pair of running shorts um, from Target. Okay. Uh, they were horrible. <laughs> they were crunchy and the liner. Crunchy. You know, the, the fabric was crunchy. So they were, were, they were returned. There's, there's, oh, no. <laughs> there's chafing involved, right? Yeah. Okay, it was sure, really sure. bad. So, um, but, you know, the other thing too is if you have uh, ill fitting or just bad socks, I don't care if you got a $300 pair, yeah. dollar pair of racing flats. Um, well, we keep going back to Conover, but Conover in 88, 
he received all this free stuff from Reebok, and one of them was a brand new pair of uh, polyester socks. Mm. And so by eight miles, his feet were blistered up, so mm-hmm. he had to drop out. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, as someone who gets everything free, you know, I get so much free product. I feel like for years, I was getting everything free but the socks, and I was still holding on to my, like, Ross socks, you know, oh, the 12-pack yeah. yeah. of cotton. <laughs> and Martin from Drymax, yeah. that's a shout-out to Drymax, mm-hmm. uh, he sent me over some socks. He's like, just try these out. And I think he sent me 15 or 20 pairs, and I don't think I've worn ever, anything since. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. the difference is mm-hmm. no more blisters. No more blisters. <laughs> yeah. Socks will, is on yeah. my list, too, as yeah. far as things I don't skimp on anymore. And, I mean, obviously, like you're saying, you get a lot of free stuff. Hoka gives us some stuff as right. part of being on the Aggies running club. But I used to wear just, like, white cotton socks all through high school, through most of college. Then I come here and realize there's actually a whole new world out there. Yeah, like and it changed everything. Of comfort. Yeah, so much <laughs> comfort. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that's enough of that. Let's move on to the running event. So what is the running event? I mean, do we have enough time to go into this? Yes, we do. I mean, <laughs> chaos. We, it, it, can be, it, it is the largest running specific, running specialty expo on the planet. And uh, every, every player, whether they're a brand or a store owner or a rep or designer, is there. And you walk around and just in this little square mile, you can't go more than 15 feet without seeing someone you know or getting stopped. I mean, it's it's just like anyone who's in the business into running is there. Right. And it's a really condensed thing. So the, the expo is, uh, what, uh, Wednesday and Thursday? Yep. Right. And some people get there early to set up and we got there early to do some podcasts and things like that. But um, it's held in Austin, Texas in December. And it's, you get to see a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. You get to see early releases of stuff, yeah. you know, secret stuff that we can't talk about, but yeah. we're going to hint at. We might get a little bit into it. We might and, be, yeah. I mean, all three of us were in Austin, Texas recently, but Sean was actually there for a different reason. He's been to TRE in the past, but mm-hmm. what were you there for? Yeah, well, I mean, I went with you guys to the running event. I mean, man, the years kind of blend together. <laughs> yeah. This was like 2017 or 2018. Uh, I was with you guys just as part of the running warehouse crew. Now working just for the sports warehouse company. Don't get to go on these awesome trips with you guys anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we went there and they have this race called the Indy 5K. And me and Scott Bowles at the time, he was another runner guy that was working with us, running with us. And we're just going to smash this thing, right? Like we're just going to take out everyone. We're running competitively. We're training hard. And so we go out there and we wear Hoka Hupanas for the race and run like 1445 for the 5k and beat everybody i think the third place guy was wearing vapor flies which was like <laughs> that was like it just came out yeah. and that was like everyone was all about it and we we're wearing hupanas and we get through the finish line we win and they scratched us from the results <laughs> because we're running warehouse they didn't see us in the same vein and so they yes they didn't quite uh give us the same respect there's always a little shade thrown at running warehouse you know it's when, when, when you know top dog shows up yeah. yeah yeah i think they held that a little bit against us but i was like it's okay they, yeah they, it's their event they can do whatever they want but i was actually in austin just two weeks uh after you guys went to tre for a wedding and uh for my wife's birthday um but I'm really excited to see what you guys actually got to do in Austin with all the running yeah. event stuff. Yeah. Well, let's go into some of the cool stuff we saw. Yeah. I mean, again, I, we can't get super detailed, but we'll give as much little sneak right. peeks as we can. I think maybe start off with Saucony. Yes. They have a new foam that is very, very, very good. If you like yeah. soft and you like springy and you like fast, 
you'll like this. And every week that goes by, I feel like we talk about, you know, this new shoe, this new foam, can it get better? And <laughs> every week that goes by, we see something new and we're like, well, the brands just keep pushing forward. And I actually, I tried on a very early proto of this secret Saucony shoe maybe a year ago. With you know, I, I won't I won't okay. specify who okay. exactly it was, but there there was a shoe that I was like, wow, this is amazing. And it looks like they've taken elements of that shoe, kind of fine-tuned it a little more. Mm-hmm. And I think Saucony's on to something in the next probably year, maybe early 25. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I know I know it's people that work for Saucony, they're saying, but they said it it's the best foam they've ever produced. So pretty <laughs> exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the shoe that we saw has a higher stack. Mm-hmm. Um, same weight yep, and uh, way more energy return yep. and way softer. Yeah. I mean, everyone keeps pushing in the foams, in the geometries. And again, like we'll see how much further they can go, but every brand is proving there is more There's room no... in the space. Yeah. It's cool. And with that being said, Adidas. Yeah. They also came in with some new shoes. Um, you know, we've seen the Evo 1. We've talked a lot about the Evo 1. Probably the leader in the space right now. I think it's between... The Evo 1 and the Alpha Fly. Um, Evo 1 definitely has the weight advantage, and they're taking some of that technology and trickling it on into a couple of different versions of uh, shoes uh, that are going to be a little more mainstream. Right, and also pretty light. Like, I want to say under 7 ounces. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think the preliminary is under 7 right. for, for the 1. Which, so. is, which is pretty good. Pretty good. And that's where a lot of this stuff is going. It's just becoming more 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 lighter. It's becoming lighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's that Cal Poly education right yes, there. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Letting people down. And on a previous podcast, Joe, you're talking about how with running shoe foams, like it's going from like 75% return, 90% return. Like how close are we getting to that? We're getting 100%. pretty close because Saucony, <laughs> their testing for this foam was 95, I want to say. Wow. It, I mean, it was up there. And yeah. again, every brand is going to test yeah, a little and, and test what it actually means. But right. I mean, it's so... It, it, once you get on your feet, and I know someone like you, you are a Hoka athlete, so yeah. <laughs> you've got to wear Hoka shoes, but there was a time where you didn't have that super shoe, and I know you would look over at your competition, mm-hmm. and those days are over, because now Hoka's came in with the super shoes, and there's some pretty good options. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of interesting there for a while, because I know a lot, a lot of our teammates are like, oh man, look at look at this Nike shoe, look yep. at this Adidas shoe, and I mean, I've never really been that guy myself, and Joe, you probably know that more than yeah. anyone. I'd never <laughs> complain about shoe technology. I was wearing the Asics Japan Thunders for cross-country <laughs> and track and field back in college. <laughs> Um, but no, like trying it out, like I was just really excited even just getting in the rocket X too. Like that was such a huge boost for me. Like I could go out and run a 65 minute half marathon faking it right. half the time. And yeah, like it's just been crazy to kind of see the technology grow. And yeah, as a Hoka athlete too, like I'm excited I can be part of that party now. Yeah. And well, there's another speaking, one too. You know, speaking of Hoka, yeah, right. They have the new, you know, super tra- uh, is it Skyward X? Skyward X. Right. Skyward. So it's the new super trainer. You mm-hmm. tried it on. Yeah. And it's great. I Ooh. mean, it's, it reminded me a little bit of the Prime X, um, just in terms of overstacked 50 mil. The foam feels great, but it feels actually really stable. You think 50 mils, you're like, you're going to be falling around in the shoe, <laughs> but it feels pretty stable. So I think someone like you who maybe has dealt with some injuries, maybe you don't want to go the full super shoe that might be a good workout day shoe. You get all the cushioning, you get the stiffness, you get the stability. Um, so some cool some cool options coming from Hoka. Yeah, you know? I'm excited. I, you know, no one's going to, you know, agree with me, but I think they should have called that the Bondi X, even though the first Bondi X was not a very good shoe. Yeah. 
this is a very good shoe. When and, it's what the Bondi X should be. Right. You know, when we when the first Bondi X came out, we're like, eh, it didn't really hit the mark. This one does. It does. It does. So if you're thinking Bondi X, that's what the Skyward is. Hmm. They're not going to agree with me, but, you know, yeah. whatever. That's that's how I keep it straight in my head. Yeah. 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 Got to love shoe name issues, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, you can't please everyone. No. <laughs> uh, we mentioned it previously, but the New Balance fuel yeah. cell lineup is ec- excellent. I mean, we went pretty in-depth a few episodes ago about how good New Balance is, and we saw a little bit more at TRE between the SC Elite, mm-hmm. the SC Pacer, the Rebel 4. The Rebel 4 is really good yeah and then the sc trainer we finally got to see the new sc trainer i mean fuel cell is just it's fantastic yeah it's really good stuff what they're doing with the geometries what they're doing with making a shoe for a certain event or distant you know Mm -hmm. it's just they're killing it the full way uh the full line Saucony and new balance i think really just have really dialed in lines um, there was some other stuff that was kind of under the radar. I, it, I don't know if you have anything else from some of the other brands. That, no, that, I mean, right? I think that was the big one. The yeah. only other would probably be Asics. Um, we got to see a meta speed under the table. Mm-hmm. Um, can't say too much other than we did verify it was the shoe worn by Emma Bates, Sarah Hall at Boston. New foams, new plates. Um, little more to come there. But uh, again, every brand is raising the bar. Right. Some of the other stuff that we saw, um, I was walking around and uh, there was these Chinese guys and they had like a card table with these very Chinese looking racing shoes. Hmm. But I remember them because we, well, collectively, all three of us tested shoes that Jean-Luc, the founder of Hoka, he got a, a hold of all these different kind of racing flats from around the world and he brought them here to try and they were actually pretty good. And this was a few years ago, This was a too. few years ago. And yeah. so um, people are going to have a hard time believing this, but P-Bax, so it is a P-Bax, which is in the same factory that Nike makes their Zoomax and their high-end stuff, uh, carbon plate, uh, retail 120 to $150. Is that USD, Joe? That's US dollars. <laughs> the problem is, is they don't have any sort of distribution or anything like that, which I don't understand why they were there. And you saw another interesting gentleman yes yes so i you know at tre you're just seeing people nonstop, and sometimes you know the people sometimes you haven't seen them for 10 years but sometimes you just meet a random person in an elevator and that's exactly <laughs> what happened to me <laughs> so uh a guy by the name of james uh introduces himself in the elevator and um you know he says he's in charge of a company called shoebot and i'm like okay oh. i i don't really know what that means he gives me his card Unfortunately, I'm so busy with videos during TRE, I wasn't able to make it over to his booth. The next day uh, at breakfast, he comes over, introduces himself again, and he says, hey, can I show you some cool stuff? And I'm like, I like cool stuff. I like cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So he goes up to his room, comes back down. He's got a bag. And I'm like, what? what is going on with this bag? And he starts just pulling stuff out. And I don't, it's a small bag, but surprisingly, he's just pulling like, it's like rabbits a, out of a hat. Wow. Exactly. So first he throws a couple slabs of foam on the table. And I look at it and it's very interesting looking foam. It's a, s- a couple of different super critical foams. And um, the first thing I'm thinking is like, I want to feel it. But before I can even feel it, I think he takes like a cell phone off of the table and he's launching it off the foam slabs, throwing it. And it's bouncing, showing the energy return. Jeez. And these, these phones are bouncing. Yeah. And I'm like, that's cool stuff. <laughs> and he's telling me uh, about, you know, the different durometers and responsiveness. And he used to work at Audi 
which kind of makes sense. I remember the old uh, boost compounds that mm-hmm. they used to drop marbles off of. Right. So they like to show the bounciness of the foams. So I'm looking now at a sandal that catches my eye that he throws on the table, and I pick it up, and it's one of the lightest, just really soft, super critical-like material. And it, I looked at it, and it almost looked like the Adidas Evo 1 foam, which, you know, that's revolutionary foam. I'm like, why is this in a sandal? And he said... This feels so nice, so soft. It it is very bouncy, and it's very expensive to make. He said, if you want to make one of these, it's going to cost you a pretty penny. But really cool stuff showing that technology. I don't know if I'd run in this sandal, but if you had to run in a sandal, <laughs> that's, a good, one. that's yeah. a good one to pick. And then he's like, but if you want the most comfortable sandal, he throws another one out. And it looked like uh, the sandal that Asics made recently, completely uh, 3D uh, printed. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you see all these geometric shapes, one piece, and he told me to try it on. And I was like, this just feels amazing. Um, so, you know, he keeps throwing more stuff out on the table. He tells me a little bit about his company. And he, he said that, you know, they're based in China. He has his factory. And his whole thing is he wants to get brands, retailers, whoever – to get shoes into the market in a really fast pace. So I think his goal was like within a few months, he can have shoes to you. So again, like will running warehouse go down that route? I don't know. Probably not. You never know, but it's interesting. Really cool. Yeah, stuff. It, it's cool seeing what's out there. Yeah. And the rest of the planet. Yeah. And the stuff that doesn't really come to our market. But you know, the other things at the running event that you see that, you know, I didn't think would interest me, but the, a company called stunt puppy. <laughs> What is that? Stunt puppies. <laughs> so it's a. I, I never seen this before. It was leashes designed specifically to run with your dog. Oh, you would. Oh, you're all about the dog walking stuff too. Well, no, but if, if like your 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 wife runs with a dog, right? Yeah. So it's a, a leash that wraps around your waist mm-hmm. and has a bungee, and mm-hmm. you can adjust the distance that the dog runs away from you. Mm-hmm. Is this cool. a new technology? This doesn't seem. No, no like it's just, I don't know. It just, seemed, it just seemed like to, like it seems like. Somebody should have invented this long. Maybe <laughs> That's they very did. True. I don't know. This yeah. is the first time I, I saw is, it. There's some patented bungee yes, cord, perhaps. Exactly. So th- these are the kind of things that you know interest you. So you spend mm-hmm. two days walking around eight mm-hmm. hours and finding things like this that yeah. are, you know you can't live without. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that custom shoe type of thing. That's something that has been explored in the past, right? Yeah. It's just you know if you're producing it yourself, mm-hmm. you run the risk of if it doesn't work. You're right. kind of you're kind of hosed. Yeah, not kind of you really hosed. Mm-hmm. But um, some of the other stuff worth noting from mm-hmm. the running event: uh, Gus's fried chicken. <laughs> yes. So that is located a block away from the convention center, and you have to go to Gus's because I think it's a franchise. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, I got myself a, um, a thigh. I like a good thigh, <laughs> sure. and uh, potato salad and a Schneiderbach. And I was sitting at the counter, and then over my shoulder, I saw Tom Carlio. Mm-hmm. who's in charge of running or was in charge of running at New Balance, and Danny Orr. So I went over and talked to them. And you know, if those guys are eating yeah. at Gus's Fried Chicken. Oh, Carlio only eats at the finest establishments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a piece of chicken is like $2. You know, it's really inexpensive. Yeah. I think I get out of there under $10. Yeah. I mean, all we do is eat, run. Some people mar- might partake in a drink, but yeah. that's about all there is at TRE. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of burning calories and consuming calories. Exactly. So, um, Sean, we were at the, at the uh, coffee maker uh, right after we got back from Austin for the running event. He said he was going to go to Austin for a wedding, <clears throat> asked for some suggestions, and I mentioned uh, Gus's Fried Chicken and Cooper's Barbecue. Mm-hmm. 
and you made it to Cooper's Barbecue. We all made it to Cooper's we Barbecue. We all did, yeah. And what was your experience like at Cooper's Barbecue? Well, if you want the best barbecue in Austin, it's it, pretty good. It's probably mm-hmm. up there. I haven't explored everything, yeah. but it's really good. But they can they they, they eye out. Oh yeah, they see the tourists and they they have the whole spiel down because we came in hungry and uh, basically for lunch, right? Yeah, for lunch and. They said, "Oh, you need to get some of this. You need to get some of this." So we got we got some uh, some paychecks to spend. So we're getting the brisket, the blah blah blah. We're going through everything, and they say, "You guys, you guys look like you're hungry. You need some dino ribs." <laughs> and we're like, "All right, well, we each get a dino rib. We're not looking at prices. These dino ribs, twenty six bucks a rib. Oh my! <laughs> so I think we went out about eighty dollars a person for lunch. So we had to uh, skip a few meals after that. But <laughs> was it actually like a very massive rib? I mean, it looks like a dinosaur bone. Wow! And a bunch of meat. And you ordered how many of them? <laughs> we ordered three of them. Three each. No, no, we, we ordered oh, three okay. total. I mean, this would feed a family of four. I know you're an eater, though, Connor. I, I, eater. I bet you could have eaten all three by yourself. I could have. I could have. <laughs> so, Sean, what was your experience at Cooper's oh, man. Barbecue? So, that's funny, because you guys seem like you got the seamless experience of like, oh, I go in an order. This is great. Like, So we go there on your recommendation, huh? and I, I walk in, and it's pretty empty because we got there pretty early. And so I'm just walking around. I'm like, I don't really know how to order in this place. Like, there's a guy standing there with a knife, and there's a bunch of meat next to him. I'm like, is this like a deli? Did I accidentally go into, like, the deli area? <laughs> and so I'm, like, walking around aimlessly around the bar. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm just going to go ask that guy if I just order some meat. And then, yeah, I'm like, find out. Oh, yeah, he slices it there for you. You pick whichever ones you want. And then you get your sides and stuff. Oh, I'm like, this is like Chipotle. Great. It's just like a, like a counter situation. So we get our food. And they're like, here are your plates. And the plates are pieces of construction paper, which is just fantastic. For a Texas rookie, I feel like yeah. this is like a stunning revelation <laughs> for me. But maybe for a Texas person, be like, oh, man, this guy like doesn't even know what a plate is. <laughs> and so we get our food and we go to sit down. And next to the soda machine, you guys probably saw this too. There's two massive vats that just say bean pot yes. on top of them. like, what the heck is a bean pot? Like, I've never seen. And then it's like, this is past all the food. We've already paid for everything. I'm like, is this free? Like, can I just go grab some beans? And I just like kind of steadily go up. I'm like, I hope no one gets me in trouble for this. And I just go take some beans. I'm like, oh, these can't be very good though, right? And I eat them. I'm like, oh my gosh, these are the best beans I've ever had (laughs) from the bean pot at Cooper's Barbecue. And the rest of the food was great too, obviously. Like the brisket was amazing. It was was a great spot. Great recommendation. And it's only like three or four blocks from the the convention center as well. Um, I went to Cooper's uh, in lieu of the Brooks party. Um, (laughs) I went and I said, I had to get up at four in the morning the next day to catch a flight, which I missed. But anyways. Um, <laughs> should have gone to the party. Should have. No, no. This part, <laughs> I'll let Connor go into this party here in a moment. But yeah, I went and picked up uh, uh, Cooper's to go mm. and went back to my room and sat in front of the computer, looked at YouTube, had a glass of wine and uh, ate my barbecue and yep. then went to bed. Yep. Sounds like a nice night. It was a nice night. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your night. <laughs> so, I mean, look, if you've been to TRE you, or- The if, Brooks party is off the rails. They call it the send-off party because you send off at this party. Oh, man. Oh, these people are not feeling good on the flight, the, yeah. the majority and, of the people. You know, a lot of people try to book their flights a little later in the day the next day because you sleep in after the Brooks party, and but they do it well. Mm-hmm. So it always starts, um, at least this year, started with the Nike pre-party. We, we had fun over there and slowly made our way over to Brooks. So we get in line. Jamie Lachance, you know, big yeah. deal over at Brooks. He gets all, he sees me and he points, he goes VIP right there, which, 
you know, I, I didn't, I didn't disagree. No. <laughs> so we get our whole party gets VIP bracelets, you know, free everything once you get inside and you get in this venue and you think you're going into an indoor venue. You go in and it's an actually an open air outdoor venue, two floors, every runner is there. So we got the athletes who competed in the cross country race. We got the designers, we got the influencers. Everyone's there to see y'all out boy which is the Texas Fallout Boys. Oh, my gosh. So it's, it's 90s, <laughs> 2000s punk rock all night long. It's crazy. And me, I, I get right down to the pit. You know, I'm not wasting any time. And I look up, and I see my video crew. I see the Believe in the Run guys, Kafuzi, all the influencers. They're kind of taking it chill, taking it easy. And I said, let's, get, let's wait for a few more drinks. And little do we sure. know, they start slowly all coming, coming down. <laughs> and as the night progressed, I mean— we got mosh pits. We oh, got no. crowd surfing. At one point, I thought I saw I, I, I saw a woman like crowd surf by me. I'm like, was that Des Linden? No, that, that couldn't have been. <laughs> Later in the night, I, I go, uh, I'm waiting in line in, in one of the little rooms, and Des comes in. I'm like, Des, was that you crowd surfing? And she just goes, shh. <laughs> <laughs> you did not keep that quiet. No. <laughs> so, I mean, Believe in the Run is going live on Instagram uh, documenting the whole night, which is never a good thing because as the night progressed, people, it's an open, like if you're a VIP, it's an open bar with bo- and it, booze, and some serious booze. Dangerous. It is open. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the alcohol is flowing at this event and, uh, Anders Holmes from workaholics, he commented on the live stream was just like, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, when the workaholics yeah. guy is coming in, yeah, uh, they know what, what's a good what. party. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was, I mean, you had, well, you were going down the the line up. Yes. Well, I mean, so I'm seeing all the influencers down in the pit, and they're all coming down. We got Drew from Wear Testers, Kafuzi, and I'm telling every single person, you got to be on the podcast because, you know, we're we're networking. We're trying to build the guests. So I go, Drew, Kafuzi, and I go through the line. Thomas, every single one says, yeah, we'll be on the podcast. The last person in the line is an older gentleman, real nice-looking guy. Yeah, he, look, he looked good, and I, I just said, hey, you got to be on the podcast. And he looks at me and he goes, you know what? That'd be fantastic. You let me know when and I'll be there. And I'm just like, who, who was that? Like, I don't know. And Thomas goes, that was the CEO of Brooks. It's Jim Weber. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Good yet. Good uh, yeah, you know, you never know who will show up on this podcast in the coming months, no, but some but, big guests coming. Yes, but we do know who has to leave. Our guest, he has to go back and force you to buy, force (laughs) you to chase you around the internet and have you buy stuff you don't want or need. That's true. That was my main occupation here. But it was lovely talking to you guys. All right, and maybe maybe we get Sean back on another podcast because you can't forget he is the most experienced podcaster in this building. (laughs) Yes, two hundred, nearly two hundred episodes on his basketball podcast. That's true. Yeah, the second stringers. Yep, the second stringers NBA podcast, my amateur basketball podcast I do with my buddy Alan, who did also we used to work here too yeah yes. but yeah this i bet is, he's listening to this right now this is a running podcast so i'm, I'm <laughs> gonna have to tell you to get on out it. of here thanks cool. guys Sean. well thanks a lot appreciate it all right and we are back we're back <laughs> we're gonna talk about development cycles okay and we talked about this with your shoe bot guy yeah like he's talking about bringing out shoes in a very short period of time yes and probably the guy that's actually in the united states that does it really well is Jean-Luc at, at Hoka. So there was a time when Jean-Luc was in charge of Hoka that they were coming out with shoes literally every month. I mean, his his 
development cycle was incredibly fast. The story we always talk about is the Hupana. Yeah. I mean, you saw that in his office and you told him and how, was it a few months? Yeah, it was like two or three months later. We had the, we had the shoe in the warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But so we have life cycles that are 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, upwards of 36 months. And uh, people in listening land might not understand why you'd want each one of those. And we like fast life cycles because the people who shop online tend to want new. Um, we tend to find that anything past 18 months, ten, uh, the sales fall off. Now, if you are in a brick and mortar type situation where you know ha- the turns, which is the amount of product you're moving each month, isn't as quick as ours, you're going to want longer life cycles. So you have certain brands that are coming with uh, 24-month life cycles, which is in large part what Hoke is doing. And in fact, the current Bondi is on a 36-month life cycle. Uh, but we tend to like stuff that, that comes out quickly. Yeah. And sometimes even it doesn't need to be a full shoe update. I mean, yeah. it's always nice to mm-hmm. get the the new tooling, but even just a, an upper update, something, a lot of people, you know, they get bored of shoes and they, they want the new, the latest, greatest. And if you put a new upper, throw a new number on, maybe it's not a substantially different shoe, but, but at least it, it gives people a reason to maybe, you know, Get another pair. Yeah, there's some news there. So, um, again, we we tend to like things quick yeah. and fast yep. and um, new and interesting and exciting. That's type, those types of things. But, um, you know, the other thing that I wanted to bring up was um, embargoes and launch dates. Uh, now, you deal with this. Constantly. Yeah. So, may you explain what an embargo is in, in a launch date? Yeah. So, the embargo date is basically... Well, we'll start off with the launch date. Yeah. Launch date is when the shoe will officially come out, launch, and be up on our site ready to go. But the embargo is when we can actually officially talk about the shoe. So put up our YouTube videos, put up uh, a little first look. And the embargoes get tricky because every brand has different dates. Some A lot of brands don't even have dates Um and it just gets tricky because we want to provide our customers with the most up-to-date, you know, show them the products as soon as possible, get them excited, build that hype. And every brand is a little different. And trying to keep track of all the dates or just trying to track down a date can get pretty challenging. Yeah, and it changes constantly. Constantly. And the other thing that really has never made any sense to me is embargoes are different for the influencers versus mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So uh, any of the influencers that you brought up before can show the product weeks, months before we can officially do that, yeah. which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me since those guys can't sell the shoes and we can actually sell the shoes. So you see, it would seem to make sense to me that you give us early dibs so we can build up demand yeah. and then actually sell the product. But in, in some brands, actually, actually a lot of brands have been getting better. Yeah. So I, I feel every year it's getting better. And I'd say now there's only a few that are holding out that don't let us post while everyone else does. So I'm hopeful that will continue to be able to be part of the conversation. And if anything, I, I would just love for everyone to be able to talk about the shoes all at once and build that hype and allow us to be, you know, the product experts. And if people see uh, Thomas or Kafuzi talking about a shoe, they can come to us and ask questions and we're allowed to answer them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's come up on my radar recently that it hasn't just come up recently, but it, it's rearing its ugly head more so right now is the amount of national high school championships. I mean, do we really need that many national high school championships? There's so you know, many. Yeah. You got Foot Locker. Is it mm-hmm. Foot Locker now? 
Yep. It was champs. It was. Yeah. It's you know it's hard know, to keep track. Yeah. And then you and have next it, year it'll be something different. Yeah. yeah. NXN. Yep. You have running lane. Yep. Uh, in track you have the Brooks. Yep. New Balance. Yep. Nike. Uh, in in my head it'd be cool if you just had one national championship for right. cross country and one national championship for track. Yeah. And you can change the sponsors and stuff like this. And and the story I heard on how this all started was Foot Locker was the original. And, uh, Which was Kinney. It, it was Kinney, yeah. yeah. And I remember I was a senior going into my senior uh, championship season, and my coach asked me, he goes, do you want to do this Kinney National Champion qualifying? It's going to be at Crystal Springs the week after NorCal. And I go, why in the hell would I want to do that? My season, I've been pointing for, towards NorCal. I don't want to do this stupid national team. Anyway, so that was the first year of the, having the national championship in 1980, okay. fall of 80. And uh, my good friend, Andy DeCani, I forgot what place Andy got. But anyways, he's a... Uh, a guy from Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got an interesting story about uh, he was a, he he still is. I don't know if he's retired or not, but he was at uh, La Cunada High School, and before that, he was our teacher at this junior high mm-hmm. that fed into La Cunada. He was walking around and he was listening to these kids talk about driving golf balls. And one kid said, "I can drive it three hundred yards." And the kids in seventh grade, and and Andy's thinking, "You full of crap," but he didn't call him on it. Turned out to be Colin Morikawa. Wow. So, you know, a PGA champion oh, yeah. and stuff like that. So anyways, but um, I'm going off the rails here. Well, every, but, everyone but, so in high school. So the story on, on how these multiple national championships came about was uh, there were some uh, people in the sports marketing at Nike, mm-hmm. and they were younger, and they said that they uh, wanted to start their own national championship with a team component. And my understanding is John Truex, who's not there any longer, but he – used to work in, in track and field, designing track and field shoes. And uh, Chris O'Donnell, who's in charge, who, he's a, one of the higher up on Track Town. They said, why don't we just combine it? And they go, well, ASICS is sponsoring it. We don't want to do that. And they go, it's better for the sport if we made it like an NCAA championship where you have a team component and an individual component, one big meet. Right. And the younger kids didn't want any part of it. So they started NXN. And that started, what, I think when Hase was like in seventh grade or something like that, you know, pretty long time ago. Yeah. But now we have just, a you know, these meets everywhere. And it's not just it's not just in high school. Yeah. You have races every weekend. And um, I know Jesse, who put on the sound running cross-country meet that went along with uh, the running event. Yep. Uh, I know he has it, had his reasons for doing it in Austin. Yeah. But the week later, there was the... USATF Club Cross Country Championships right. in Tallahassee. And the advantage there is is you'd have a bigger meet, but also the 2026 World Cross Country Meet is at Tallahassee. So the people that are likely to make that team, you would give them an opportunity to run on that course and preview it beforehand. Yeah. So, I mean, it's never going to happen, but I think combining uh, races and meets on the same day yep. uh, would be beneficial for our sports. We'd have more competi- head-to-head competition. Yeah. I mean, you want the best runners running against each other. Mm-hmm. And when you split it up, you have to make a choice on which race you're going to run in. Right. So. And I can't even keep track of the high school stuff right now. I don't you know. Who, I don't know who's running what and who's actually national champion. Right. Right. It's, just, yeah. it, it's tough. Okay. Well, I mean, again, every week you were scouring the internet. Oh, yes. The, for the craziest people. And well, I, I don't know I, if they're crazy. There's, there's some people that are, yeah, they might be crazy. But I, in this one, it's a. Uh, uh, Ray uh, Lauzon, L-A-U-Z-O-N. 
Yeah. And of course, the running shoe geeks. <laughs> and he asks, and this is a, a decent question, a, a relevant question. Is there a shelf life on shoes? Mm. Already have many pairs on rotation, and these probably won't get used until 2025. Ooh, okay. A little, so, little bit away. Right. Um, I think you, they should be fine as long as you treat it like a wine. Yes. You want it in a cool place, yep. right? Out of the sunlight. Yep. And so I think all the listeners in, in listener land should build themselves a running shoe seller. Yes. If this is the plan to keep the shoes through 2025. You got to. And, and back to Austin, Texas, I went walking around and I went looking for Mellow Johnny's, which is Lance Armstrong's bike shop. Yep. And I found it, but it was a new location. Mm-hmm. The old location was really cool. It had a lot of character. Mm-hmm. The one thing it didn't have was air conditioning. Ah. So when I went in the new one, I asked the kid that was working, I said, do you like the new location? He says, what do you think? And I said, it's a little antiseptic. It's not as cool as the other one. You know, when Lance's bike's all up on the ceiling and all that. Yeah. And I said, what do you think of the new place? He goes, we have air conditioning. <laughs> he says, this is really great. And then I'm thinking, okay, well, if you have your local running store that has their shoes and they don't have air conditioning and mm-hmm. it gets really hot, mm-hmm. that's going to negatively affect that shoe. So the life of that shoe is going to be less than, um, in our case, everything's because we have humans working out in the warehouse, everything's air conditioned yeah. and everything's out of sunlight. So yes. they tend to last longer. Um, yeah. and this isn't the case for all running shoe stores, but, um, if you're finding yourself in a, in a store that has lacks air conditioning, yeah. the shoes are probably going to last. I mean, I've less. lost from from being growing up in the desert, I've yep. lost a lot of shoes. You, you know, keeping them out in the garage, keeping them outside. Heat is one of the worst thing. You know, high heat, nineties, hundreds. It just wrecks these shoes. And I nowadays I've got too many shoes to count. I keep most of mine in a uh, like in cabinets, kind of in a in a cool, um, no sunlight. And you know, yep. I've I have shoes that have lasted years. And you know, after no matter how good of care you take, time will degrade shoes a little bit, but you can minimize that damage by just keeping it in the best conditions. Right. Well, we had one guy right on the, he was running in 10-year-old Elixir 5s, <laughs> right? And he wanted to know if the shoe was still made. And Ooh. he went on a 21K, which is a 13.1 mile run mm-hmm. in these shoes that are 10 years old, which has got to be hard as a rock. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't lose the outsole. Yeah, I mean, but, the glue. After well, the that other long? thing too is, it, it, you know, obviously he knows more than you or I because he's still running in shoes that are ten years old and not, not getting hurt. But um, back to the uh, answering the internet. Uh, Let's Run's world famous message board offers up this insight on the location uh, for next year's USATF Club Champs, which was held, like I said earlier, in Tallahassee. So shoe tubers have no ethics rights. Tacoma would be okay, but I think it should be in Portland next. They have a pretty active local club cross-country circuit up there, and they have a bunch of interesting courses. It'll probably go west of the Mississippi. Now, shoe tubers have no ethics, doesn't understand the process of how a location is picked for any sort of championships. So I read constantly about the Olympic trials and track should be held in New York or Chicago or Los Angeles, or any number of places. The problem is you need a group of people that are experts in putting on a track meet, that have the volunteers, and they actually have to put a bid in to host the meet. They actually want to do it. So you can wish it goes to Chicago all you want, but there's not a group of people in Chicago that want to do this. 
And there's, I don't know that there's a location you can do it either. Yeah. Um, same thing in New York. Yeah. You know, in, in, in Boston, you have the indoors. You know, you get a group of people there. And NCEs, you know, Austin and things like that. But Oregon, for the Olympic trials, it always goes there. Be, you know, Eugene, because those people want to put it on. Yep. They know how to put it on. And if you're going to come down to making a choice, it's going to be on people that you trust to put on a, a good event. Well, if it was up to you and, you know... Um you could put a bid in on a city, where would you think would be the best place in the country? Well, the the tough part is finding, you know, the, there's a variety of different things from my perspective because yeah. I like, the reason I like Eugene is because everyone's close together and it's easy to get around and everyone, you know, can go as a group. Right. Mount Sac would be a great location. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's such a wide area right. to get everyone together right. is really difficult. Yeah. Uh, but the facility is fantastic. Yeah. But outside of that, it's... I'm guessing Austin can host it. Mm. Uh, Des Moines, possibly. Uh, it's just you, when you get to Des Moines at that time of the year in July, it's pretty hot and humid. So when do you host the, the 10K and things like that? Right. Um, and, it, you know, that's the other thing with some of the, the, the meets. Like, we should put it on in Des Moines mm-hmm. well, because of the Drake Relays, and Drake Relays is packed. Or there's two reasons the Drake Relays is packed. One is it's homecoming for Drake <laughs> University, and that's the thing to do. Right. And the other is the unofficial state championship for Iowa High School. So you have all the parents and all the yeah. coaches. It's the only time all the divisions compete against each other. Yeah. So you have those two things. And when you have USATF's national championships, you don't have either one of those things. And so you have things like me and Lance Harder and Sheldon Blockberger as the only sta- people in the stands. So you know, it, Tacoma put up a bid for Cross Country Nationals Club Cross, mm-hmm. and they got it because uh, Tom Cotner, who's part of Club Northwest, yeah. knows his stuff. People trust them, and they put in a bid. And you know, no one has put in a bid for 25. So you might not like where it goes, but there's not a whole group of people. It's not the athletes deciding where it goes. It's USATF, and a large part of it has to do with who's putting in a bid. Right. In many cases, cases, you don't even have a bid. Or you, you win the bid, and then somebody at USATF who makes a lot of money says it's not going to – or Chattanooga, it's going to go to Orlando, and Orlando sucks. But whatever. I'm yeah. Um, anyways, that's enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are running warehouse, yes. so we got to talk shoes. Mm-hmm. And in past weeks, we've seen Eric's shoe closet. That was the the OG segment. Right. It transferred over to Connor's shoe closet. Right. And this week, we got a special treat from a close friend of yours. Do you want to you want to tell us what we have in store today? Well, it's uh, Kevin Searles, who's the president of the Hoka Aggie Running Club. Okay. And legend. Uh, legend. Uh, his daughter's a very good runner at Alhambra High School. Mm-hmm. It's going to be coming to Cal Poly. Okay. His wife is a former All-American at Cal Poly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's been running since the 70s. And he gave me a bag of shoes, two of which we're going to discuss today. Okay. One, well, we'll see a little bit more of this bag, but I don't think Kevin knew exactly what he gave you. Because mm-hmm. if he knew he was handing over maybe five, six, seven thousand dollars worth of shoes, he might not have given them so no, easily. But he didn't give me pairs, okay. so we can't we can't sell. It. Okay. So why don't you talk about the shoes we have? Okay. So first pair, we'll start with the Waffle Racer. Waffle Racer. Now, were, were you were you uh, racing during this? Uh, I was. Era? Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, the one I had wasn't like that. I actually had the uh, track version, okay. the spike version. Yep. It's called the Universe, Yeah. and it was orange with white, yep. but the same shoe. Uh, we have to be careful with these because they're ready to explode. They're falling apart. They're falling apart. You can tell pieces are just right. falling but out of yeah, it. Yeah, this is what uh, Kevin actually raced in. Right. Um, and, and, of course, you've got that 
that famous waffle uh, outsole that, I mean, for the time, I mean, th- this was revolutionary. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. So it provided a lot of grip. Yep. Um, and it did the job. So it was yeah. kind of like a track spike without the spikes. Yeah. was the idea. Right. And then, of course, the waffle racer also had its training counterpart. Yep. Did, did these come out around the same time? Yeah, those came out, I want to say in 77, maybe okay. earlier. Yep. Um, that was my first, That not that particular pair, but that color yeah. and model was my first real running shoe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when you look at these, I mean, the uppers are just so amazing. I mean, these are collector's items. Each of these probably sell in good condition, 500 to $1,000 a yeah. pair. And I mean, the suede in the back. I mean, this is engineering right here at its it finest. Let me see. Uh, I have the Runner's World... Uh, we'll show this in a little bit. Runner's World uh, Shoe Guide, mm-hmm. where they rank the shoes from October 1977. And of wow. course, I don't throw anything away, and I have this thing. But the Nike Waffle Trainer is ranked number three. Wow. Behind the Brooks Vantage and the Adidas Runner. And then in fourth was the Nike LD1000V. Okay. I had that. I ran my first marathon. Yep. Uh, what was it? It was a Livermore Marathon. And the first model of the LD1000 had a really wide heel. And the problem was it was a pretty stiff midsole. Mm -hmm. And because it was wide, it was like, I don't know what you describe, but basically once you hit your outside heel, it would slap your foot down. And it kind of screwed up a lot of people's knees. Yeah. Yeah. When when Nike came onto the market in the 70s, they had some crazy shoes. And while we were looking for uh, this article, I was going through magazines and I found an ad for probably the original Nike uh, shoe, the Nike Obori. Uh And I mean, this shoe was wild. Four out of the uh, top seven finishers at the 72 trials wore this shoe, which this was basically a prototype at the time. So can you imagine running a shoe basically your first time and it's the Olympic trials marathon? Well, they had the Obori and then also they had uh, the Waffle Racer. Yep. And that was my, Mark Covert ran in that. Yes. The original. So he, he ran in the original moon shoe. Yes. Which if, there's only a few of those handmade. And I mean, now I, I think one sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was and, at Mount Sac Relays. Yeah. This had to be 25 years ago. We had a booth set up for Nike and Mark brought his pair, those wow. pair of shoes to give to Nike to put in the, the museum. Yeah. So I don't think that he ever got paid for him. Yeah, that's but, too bad. But, yeah, but Mark had the second longest running streak yep. behind Ron Hill. Yep. Uh, yeah. He that, would, that would be a good guest for the podcast. I'm sure he's got some store, a lot well, of miles in his yeah, legs. The other person that, uh, if we can figure out how to get him on, is a gentleman that I sent shoes to last week, <laughs> Jerry Lindgren. Okay. So yeah. um, he's over in Hawaii. But maybe we have to go over to Honolulu and you know visit I'm not, a, him. I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, Nike history. I, I will say, though, with that, the, Obo- the Obori, because that was a shoe that I was looking to see if we could we could get. That shoe is going for four or $5,000. And it actually, when I did some research, it ended up being renamed to the Boston 73. And that was after John Anderson won boston wearing that shoe they renamed it so i have a john anderson story do you yes so i was uh golfing with him and i didn't know it was john anderson it was it was just john and through the course of 18 holes you kind of get you know an idea that the guy used to run yeah and um so i asked him on the 18th fairway i said john did you used to run he goes yeah and i go what's your resume look like he goes i made the 72 10,000 team and i won boston 73 i go 
Oh, you're that, John. <laughs> you have foot and mouth disease. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of people wearing hokas and ons, like mm-hmm. a lot. Like I just flew back from Atlanta. Yep. And that's those are the shoes you see in the airport most often. Yep. Um, I watched these guys, uh, Chris and Tony from My Golf Spy. Yep. And they were talking, uh, t- Tony was t- talking about uh, a company that will put any sort of, take any shoe and put a golf outsole on it. Oh, nice. And, and so they, uh, Tony asked Chris or vice versa, which shoe would you have? And the guy said, Doc Martens. And then the guy asked the other guy, he says, what would you use? He goes, I'd use my running shoes. Yeah. He goes, you're an on-cloud guy, right? He goes, yeah. And he goes, you're a Hoka guy, right? He goes, yeah. Why don't we do that? And so that's what they decided to do. But do you think it's a it's an issue for those brands that people that aren't running at all, they have no intention of running, mm-hmm. that they're buying Hoka's and Ons? Yeah. Is that sustainable, do you think? It's hard to know because, I mean, I... I love those brands because of their their running core mm-hmm. and but at the same time you know you're watching the PGA Tour and you're seeing caddies wearing bondis and it's great exposure for the brand. So I see both sides and my my only concern would be as long as Hoka or On continues with that core running philosophy, let's get it on More as people. many people as yeah. you can, but I I just always worry that brands start pushing more towards athleisure towards fashion and they forget about that core running performance and i side. think when that happens then you run into problems where yeah you know it's a it's a fashion play and not a, yeah. a performance run play yeah and then things go haywire <laughs> so uh i think that's about it for the day i okay. mean uh the next episode will yes we'll have a discussion of uh on thursday of this week i'm driving down to santa barbara having lunch with uh, uh the shoe dorks. Which Expl- is, explain who these guys are, because I think we might have to go down to Santa Barbara one of these weeks and do a podcast. Yeah, with them. or have them come up here. So, yeah. uh, for those don't, that don't know, Santa Barbara is about an hour and a half, two hour drive south of here. Yeah. And so, usually about once every three or four months, I'll go down and have lunch with these individuals. Uh, one of which is John Luke, the founder of Hoka, mm-hmm. and he'll always bring some really cool stuff to check out. Yeah. Uh, the other person is Jeff Gray, who is. I probably he's very well regarded in terms of testing running yes. shoes. Yes. So cushioning, yep. rebound, yep. Uh, he, fit. He, Helix Lab. Helix I mean, Lab in Santa Barbara. They're doing really cool things. Right, and so also durability. He and uh, grip. So yep. he does stuff with uh, like work shoes, yep. and can tell you. You know, the thing is, if you're working in a in a restaurant in a kitchen, you don't want slippery shoes. No. So he does work boots. He also does golf shoes and things like that. Um, So there's him. Then there's Stuart Jenkins. And Stuart Jenkins was at Decker's when Decker's bought Hoka. So I think 2009 he was there. And he he head up a lot of their innovation. And I believe the team that he was in charge of uh, invented the Clifton. Uh, Um, So these are basically the Avengers of the running shoe innovation. Yeah, but it's really cool. And the other person that's there is uh, Lee Cox. Oh, yeah. And Lee Cox is heading up a new brand within Deckers uh, that what, it's... We've got well, a couple... Yeah, yeah, we've got a couple shoes here. I mean, because we've been testing Deckers Lab product for years, and right. this is kind of where they start with innovation. And these are just a couple of different prototypes we have, um, but really cool stuff. Right. So more of a leisure uh, casual upper. Yes. And a super foam 
with the plate yep. for the most part. So, I mean, you've, you've run in these shoes. They're good to run in. Yeah. And they and look I, good, too. I've ran in these, which definitely have that more athleisure, but the performance is there. And I've also seen them transfer the uppers into more race-specific, maybe tune the geometries to be even more aggressive for race day. Right. So you can kind of see where the technology can get transferred for different uses. But Jean-Luc, he's a mad scientist. <laughs> he always brings the coolest stuff. And... uh yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm super lucky to be able to try it. So it's, yeah, it's, cool. it's it's more of a, a leisure. And actually, these two models became the Hoka Transport. Yeah, basically elements. Element, elements. Got taken, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah. it was a uh, should be an interesting lunch. It always okay. is. You know, bring back some stories and yep. and. But the thing is, with John Luke and going over to Asia consistently yep. and looking at all the different developments. Yep. Uh, he has a pretty good idea where the industry is going. Yes. And I like to know where the industry is going so that yeah. we're prepared for it. Right. Uh, but same thing with uh, Jeff. Jeff. Jeff tests every single run issue there is. So he can tell me which ones are the softest, which ones, how they perform and stuff like that. So yeah. pretty cool stuff. Yeah. But um, at this point, yeah. uh, click like if you if you enjoyed what we babbled about today. You can click subscribe. You can leave a comment down below. I'm still waiting for some hot and juicy comments that we can answer. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, ask her, ask us questions, and we'll do our best to answer in a thoughtful and honest manner. Yeah. Actually, that's what we want to do. Yeah. You know, not joking around, stuff like that. But yeah. Um, yeah, so if you're up for it, ask us some questions, and we'll get to it. But anyways. Yeah. Big sweet. things to come. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Until next time. All right. Peace out. Peace out.